Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader. Today is Wednesday, July 13th, 2016, and today we're reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We're currently at page, we're on page uh, 82, the last paragraph starts with the alcoholic is like a tornado. Uh, today's readers are, we have, Ann, or we have uh, Leanne on the 12 steps, we have Christine M on the 12 traditions, and the readers of the text, we have Julie R, Judy F, and Monica T. The reference number for yesterday, which was Tuesday, July 12th, is 8909. That's 8909. All right, OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry the message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So let me now ask uh, Leanne to read the 12 steps. Leanne, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. The 12 steps, I'm sorry, Leanne N. from New York, compulsive overeater. The 12 steps of OA. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all of these defects of character. Step seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Step 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day. I pass. Thank you, Leanne. Okay, let me now ask uh, Christine M. M's for Marvelous to read the 12 Traditions. Christine? Yes, hello everyone. My name is Christine M, recovered compulsive overeater in Missouri. Um, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
two for our group purposes, but one ultimate authority, a loving God that he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige avert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such are never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thanks for the opportunity to do service, and I pass. Thank you, Christine. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive readers only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the Big Book mean to us. To share, just press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one again to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. So today we're gonna to resume our study of the big book, uh, and we are currently on page 82, the last paragraph, which starts, the alcoholic is like a tornado. That was me for sure. Um, and let me now ask Julie R. if you begin reading. Julie, good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Larry, for your service. This is Julie R., recovered compulsive overeater from California. The alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken. Sweet relationships are dead. Affections have been uprooted. Selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in turmoil. We feel a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. He is like the farmer who came up out of his cyclone cellar to find his home ruined. To his wife, he remarked, don't see anything the matter here, Ma. Ain't it grand the wind stopped blowing? Yes, there is a long period of reconstruction ahead. We must take the lead. A remorseful mumbling that we are sorry won't fill the bill at all. We ought to sit down with the family and frankly analyze the past as we now see it, being very careful not to criticize them. Their defects may be glaring, but the chances are that our own actions are partly responsible. So we clean house with the family, asking each morning 
and meditation that our creator show us the way of patience, tolerance, kindness, and love. Again, I'm Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. You know, I have these paragraphs underlined, highlighted with different colors because they really tell me exactly what I have to do. For me, there was a long period of reconstruction. I I did a lot of damage to to my family, to my friends. Uh, you know, I was um, that bull in a china cabinet. It was um, you were going to do it my way, and I don't care what you thought. So I had to be really, really careful that I didn't use the word sorry. And it says right here that we are sorry won't fill the bill. My my sponsor told me when I make my amends to never use the word sorry because I had done that most of my life. I'm sorry for doing that. And then I would do the behavior again. I'm sorry that I did it again. On and on. No, you know, sorry was just a word. It had no meaning. So when I went and I made the amends, I sat down and I did this with my family, with my two boys and my husband. And I talked about the different things that I had done that took away from the family. Not so much the spending and whatnot, but the emotional things that I, I had taken away from my kids. You know, not being present, not being able to go on the rides at Disneyland for being, you know, morbidly obese and not able to play with them on the floor. Things like that. And I really, really went into detail because I had hurt the family. Um, it wasn't just they had a fat mother. They had a depressed, angry, volatile, depressed mother. So, and I made sure that I didn't bring things up about my husband. You know, I'm I'm sorry I acted this way, but because you do this. It had nothing to do with what their glaring defects might have been. This was all about me taking responsibility. And it was all about my selfishness. Um which I was full of, and at times I still can be. And that's why it says each morning in meditation, we ask our creator to show us the way of patience, tolerance, kindness, and love. I just don't make an amends and then go about my business. In my daily meditation, I need to ask to be humble, to be loving, to be respectful, because those are not my natural character. It's, it's starting to be. I mean, I'm more kind, compassionate, caring, than I ever was before. Um, but this is something that I have to do every day. I mean, I've only got a couple of, almost a couple of years now of, of being recovered. And this is a lifelong process. So I have to take the lead. I have to humble myself. I have to be free of self. And I don't use the word sorry. It's I regret the damage that I caused. Um, what can I do to make things better? Because I'm with my family more than anything now. And I want to be that Julie, that authentic Julie, that isn't full of self, that isn't grandiose. It, you know, of course the food's down. I mean, that, that's a miracle. I, I have no desire to overeat. I'm at goal weight, all that stuff. But then the real work begins. It's how am I going to live with people? How am I going to act? So, yes, there is a long period of reconstruction but I can say that my family life is much better and my relationships with my employees and friends are, are night and day what they were before when I was in the food. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry. Oh, thanks, Julie. Okay, just a couple things. Um, if you're jumping on, we're on page 82. 
Um, Julie read the uh, last paragraph, and she read through two paragraphs. And uh, our, our comments will be on the second paragraph she read. Um, so I'm going to open it up to shares. And who would like to share on what was read? Nessa R. This is Bella. Can I share? Leslie W. Amy G. I forgot in here. All right. I'm just uh, out to lunch here. Um, Nessa, Bella, Leslie, Reva, Amy. Did I did I get that so far? Who else? Kimberly L. Kimberly. Anybody else? Okay, we've got to start there. And I would just kindly, gently ask you to uh, mute your phone if you're not. Nessa, Nessa, you're up. Good morning. Hi, Nessa. good morning. My name is Nessa R. And I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, to me, this is the paragraph on top of page 83 um, that actually describes this so-called living amends. Because um, I had said sorry so many times so many times to my family and to those around me, to those that I had hurt. And I truly believed that I had hurt him, and I truly believed that I was sorry. But I never changed. I, I never, ever did things differently. Um, so I said sorry, and I went on doing the exact same thing. And I, you know, had no credibility. I had less than no credibility. I had, like, negative credibility. People know knew that I was going to say sorry, and things would not change things would continue going on the same way. But this paragraph is telling us that we clean house with the family. I had to um, stop acting out my restlessness, irritability, and discontentment with them. I had to let go of my entitlement and my expectations of what my family members should or should not be doing and when they should be doing it. I had to stop imposing my will um, on everyone by whatever means I could. And when things didn't go my way, um, I needed to start using the skill set that I have learned up until now. That was the only way that things could change. And this is the reason why there is a long period of reconstruction ahead because I started with, with uh, negative credibility. People didn't know if this time it was for real. Actually, people assumed that nothing was going to change. And in my case, and I, I actually like the fact that it says here that there is a long period of reconstruction ahead because it's managing our expectations. Oftentimes, I see people getting discouraged by the fact that the results are not instantaneous, that the, the family, the whole entire family, is not happy, joyous, and free just because we're on the bandwagon. Um, and in my case, things got a little bit worse before they got better. And now, you know, thank you, God, they're like so much better beyond anything I could have imagined. But things got worse because people didn't know what was so for real. And so, you know, when you have two partners dancing and one changes the step, the second partner tries to get the first partner into the old step. So, you know, they kept prodding and, you know, provoking and, and all these things to see, like, is she for real? Kind of like a test. And my job here was being very careful not to criticize, you know, um, cleaning house, focusing only on me, and as I said before, um, putting into practice this new skill set that I have learned uh, up until now in steps one through nine instead of my old MO. And as I persisted, 
then things definitely got better, but it took a long time. Um, was it worth it? A hundred percent, but it was hard work. It took a lot of mindfulness and awareness. Um, in my, uh, from, from my perspective, um, I, a lot of mental exertion to be aware of the triggers and the patterns and you know, say, okay, I'm not going to react here. I'm going to do what I have been taught um, in, this, in, this, in this precious process. And it really pays off. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Nessa. Okay, we have Bella followed by Leslie. Bella, good morning. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Larry, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, such a wonderful, wonderful paragraph. We must take the lead. Yes, thank you, God, that now that I am connected to a loving, accepting power, and no more connecting to my own ego. Yes, thank you, God. I have the opportunity to be responsible and to take responsibility on my own life, to take responsibility if I want to live free. And today, by living the steps one day at a time, yes, I am connected to a loving, accepting power, and I know that, yes, I am not perfect, and nobody is perfect, so I don't have to be the people pleaser. I don't have to be in jealousy. I don't have to feel I am in a war. I am responsible to my own life. And, yes, to be responsible is not to, to say I am sorry and that's it. To be, to be responsible is to think, wait a minute, what I am doing wrong, and I am doing wrong not because I am a bad girl and not because I am not smart. I am doing wrong because I am human, and I have the opportunity to learn new things and new way of behaving. And, you know, this is the program to, to learn and to, to, new, to, to get learned all the time new things because we are not perfect and thank you god today i learned to be responsible to my own life thank you for letting me share and i pass thank you bella okay we have leslie followed by reva leslie good morning good morning larry thank you for your service and i want to first say how wonderful it's been to have received so many wonderful calls um for being new to this meeting. This is Leslie W. I'm a compulsive overeater calling from Tennessee. Um, you know, this paragraph, um, and I will call all of you back, by the way. <laughs> this paragraph is really, um, I'm really living this paragraph right now just, just because a remorseful mumbling that we are sorry won't fill the bill at all. That is what I'm dealing with with my husband. Uh, years ago, I made a remorseful mumbling to him when I first worked this step. And he's angry. He's bitter. He's angry. Um, and he said, you got a long way to go. You know, he basically just told me, thanks, but you got a long way to go before you make this up to me. Um, um, my My behavior had a lot to do with avoidance 
with neglect. I neglected my husband's needs emotionally, physically. I withheld myself from him. For years I did this. And I felt justified in it. If he did anything, when I was in my disease, and I didn't even know I was in my disease because I didn't even know I had a disease before I came into this program. Um, I come from a long line of compulsive overeaters. So to me, it was just normal behavior. But now I'm sorry. I'm experiencing the effects and the consequences of my actions. And um, at night in the and in bed, I lay there. I'm going to get real with everybody right now. Uh, so, you know, I lay there thinking, I wish he would hold me. I wish he would touch me. I wish he would tell me he loves me. And I get frustrated because he doesn't. But I know that I'm partly responsible for that. I'm largely responsible for that. So anyway, today... Um, I'm just asking God to give me the courage and the strength that I need to do my part, to just be kind to him, just be loving, show him that I care about him every single day, even if I don't get the response that I'm wanting. You know, and I have two little boys. I'm a stay-at-home mom to two little boys. I have a six-year-old and I have a two-year-old. And it's so hard because I'm so tired. But I know how important this is because I don't want to wake up 20 years later saying I regret not being the wife that I should have been. I don't want to wake up 20 years later telling my boys, I'm sorry I wasn't there for you because I was so caught up in the food. So I thank God for this program and I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leslie. Okay, we have uh, Reva followed by Amy G. Good morning, Reva. Good morning, Larry. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. A couple of things struck me in this paragraph. Uh, First of all, I love the fact that I am reassured that the devastation that I caused in my family is going to take a long time to reconstruct and change because the amends process is all about changing my behavior, changing for the better, Um, and it does take a long time. And I recently uh, did a step 10, which became a more in-depth step four about my um, relationship with my husband. Um, And it seems the people closest to me are definitely the hardest um, to change with. Um, So for me, I have to watch, you know, I think, okay, I got it. I've got my revelation. I've got my awareness. I'm ready to change. We're good to go. And how come everybody else isn't changing too? So I've got to watch, first of all, my expectations. I'm not doing this so that everybody else will change. It's for me. Um, And also, you know, I'm sort of in these patterns of behaviors, of relationships. um, And it takes time for other people. If I'm responding differently, um, I find people are responding the same because they're expecting me to be the same. So to just um, have this gentle reminder that this takes time. Um, And I also love the prayer in here that at this point, I'm already at step nine, and it's we are doing this. Um, And as we now see it, I have a different vision now by the time I've been abstinent and worked the steps till nine. Um, 
So the way I see it is very different than the way I saw it before I started this process. And then I take the lead, which means I can pray and pray and pray, but I've got to take some action. But the way I take action is with guidance from my higher power that I've started to connect with and from um, my sponsor, people that are recovered who are guiding me. And then I ask because unto myself, I can't be a person who is patient, tolerant, kind, and loving. My default is cranky, irritable, even in abstinence. Um, But by working through the steps and asking in prayer and asking for guidance in whatever form it comes, that's how I change. Um, I don't make myself change. It happens as a result of taking action and practice and practice and practice. With that, I pass. Thanks so much, Reva. So we have Amy followed by Kimberly. Amy, good morning. Can you hear me? I can hey, Larry. hear you. Great, Larry. Thanks. Hi, my name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeager from Maryland. We must take the lead. And I don't know about you all, but by the time I'd worked through step four through seven, it became very clear to me that I needed an Academy Award on playing the victim and what my role. And when it came to family, it's it's hard. And as the prior speaker said, you know, it's really important to have the guidance of a, of a recovered sponsor and a lot of prayer to really sort of wade through what was my part. You know, when it comes to those closest to us, I was hurt and I hurt others. I mean, the damage of uh, the collateral damage was massive. And I had to really get guidance as to um, taking the lead and that regardless of what was done to me, my focus was not to be on what was done to me, but only what I had done, regardless of how small or how large that part was and regardless of what their response to me or their behaviors to me were in the past, whether or not I put myself in a position to be hurt or whether I just was flat out hurt because I was not in a, you know, the most functional family in the world. I, no one tied me down and threw food down my throat. Those were choices that I made, and I needed to take responsibility for my recovery, my recovery in the present. And in order to take responsibility for my recovery in the present, I had to clean up the wreckage in the past, and that means to completely focus on what it was that I did and what I needed to make amends for. And it talks about it in the AA 12 and 12 about this step, that we don't go and model in remorse or excessive remorse like it talks about. We don't just say, I'm sorry. We are forthright and we are generous, saying, you know, regardless of what was done to me, that I'm making amends for what I have done and I am trying to make those changes. And my sponsor also guided me to never say the word you when I was making my amends, made it very clear that the focus was to stay on me. And, you know, I'm going to scoot ahead a little bit in the next paragraph where it says the spiritual life is a theory. It's not a theory. It's something that we live it. And through the actions of the ninth step, I mean, I don't think there's any coincidence that the promises are just a couple more paragraphs down because I found that through taking these scary actions of making amends, staying focused on what I did and not blaming others or focusing on their defects, I started to, for the first time, really feel the presence of a God and a higher power in my life. I mean, up until that point, I knew that God was doing for me what I could not do myself because I was abstinent all the way up through to, to making these amends. But in the first time, for the first time, I started to feel something going on in my life. 
And as was said earlier, those actions, it was like I was acting my way into a new belief, a new way of believing, and then in that belief became a change, a change in me where I wanted to change and I wanted to be a different person. And I realized that this process was helping me do that. And it was like the more amends I made, the more I wanted to make, the more I wanted to do because that feeling of feeling connected to the world around me and to a higher power was something that I wanted more and more of because I saw how it was changing me and helping me feel about myself. It was an incredible thing, and it was wanted more and more of it. And this process really, really does work. This is a life-transforming, life-changing process. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Amy. Okay, we have Kimberly. Good morning, Kimberly. Your turn. Good morning. May I be heard? You can. Awesome. My name is Kimberly L. from Georgia, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. What I want to hone in on is that our actions are partly responsible, and I see it that my actions are 100% responsible. And for me, that was one of the greatest gifts that I received, one of the many gifts that I've received from my sponsor when I did my fifth step was, you know, I wanted to focus on what they did wrong and the cause. And can you believe what they did? But no, she constantly brought me back to where was I responsible? What did I do to set the ball rolling? And that's how I continue to live today. Um, I had a situation yesterday And I continually run these things by other recovered folks as well as my sponsor. And she clearly showed me what my part in this was. And man, did I want to get in there and talk about what they were doing wrong. But that is not where the focus is. And then I must take the lead. So I need to take the action. I'm the one that needs to, to, you know, put the footwork in and continually work this. Um, and with the help of my higher power. So the other thing that I do on a regular basis is that in my morning meditation, I do ask for God to show me the way of patience, tolerance, kindness, and love, because it is so, for me, difficult in my family to practice this on a regular basis, and I need all the help that I can get, and with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Kimberly. So does anyone else want in on this before we move on to Judy to read to us? Uh, yeah, this is Carol Kay. I'd like to share. Okay, Carol and, and Leah Nadia. S. Nadia. Kimji. Leah M. Kimji. Uh, Leah M. Okay, why don't, we, why don't we stop with that, and then after Leah, we'll, Judy, we're... We're going to hand it over to you. So good morning, Carol. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for your service. This is Carol Kay from New Jersey, Recovery Compulsive Overeater. Um, yeah, I I couldn't help but to hear somebody crying on the line, a young woman with young kids saying how she doesn't want them to grow up and uh, and say that, uh, you know, and tell herself she wasn't, be, she wasn't able to be there for them emotionally. Well, I have seven kids. My, I, I have, you know, my kids are all adopted. And so I got them all different ages. And um, not that it matters. But um, my youngest is 20. My oldest is 38. I've been recovered less than a year. And I did have to sit back and, um, and tell myself, and I'll say it right now, that I was not there for my kids emotionally. I couldn't be. 
my God was the food. I was in the food. Did I get them ready for school? Were they always clean? Did they always have the shower? Did they always, always go to the doctors? Yes, I made sure all that was taken care of. Um, but emotionally, no, I was dead. So if I was dead emotionally, I couldn't be there for my kids, and I wasn't there for my kids, and I wasn't there for my husband. I was not a good wife. I was not a good mother. I'm not going back into morbid reflection. It is okay. Um, the disease had a hold of me. I didn't have the solution, which is uh, these 12 steps. Um, you know, the solution back then for me was diets, and I didn't last more than a couple of days. I, one diet, I lasted a year. I cheated here and there. I lost over 100 pounds, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? Even when I was on a diet, and I'm 54 years old, so I've been on a pretty lot of diets. I've been over 300 pounds for well over 30 years. Um, never worked. I always gained everything back. But even on a diet, the mental, I never had that personality change. And now I have. And am I going to beat myself up? No, because I wasn't born. I didn't ask for this disease, okay? I have the disease. It's there. I'm recovered. I'm not cured. There's no cure as of today. And I accept that. That's okay. I'm grateful. I'm very grateful. And today, I have a great relationship with my husband, with my kids. I had to make an amends to everybody and let them know how I regretted um, not being able to be there for them emotionally. But the positive thing is I am there every minute, every second of every day today for them emotionally. And that's a beautiful thing. I wouldn't change this for the world. Um, you know, when I came into the program, I said to myself, no matter what happens, uh, through good times, through bad times during program, because I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't even know about our way until a year and a half ago. So when I came in, I just said, this is it. My sister had the gastric bypass. It didn't work. She gained all the weight back. This is it. The only, I have alcoholics in my family that have been, you know, recovered from alcohol for 20, 30, 40 years. So I said, this is it, my last thing. Otherwise, I'm just giving up on life. And you know what? I'm glad I gave it a shot because uh, I was able to make all my wrongs right. Um, I still have a few on my ninth step, um, but they're coming. They're coming. Um, and that's it. Thank you so much for letting me share, Larry. Have a great oh, day. All. Th thanks, Carol. Okay, we have Leah S. followed by Nadia. Princess Leah S., good morning. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much. This is Leah S. from Brooklyn, New York, a recovered compulsive overeater. And um, as I started step four, it became intense work. And I continued step five and step six. It was, um, step five was really uh, the major point because here I was revealing myself to someone else, the true self of who Leia is, really. And um, this, is, this is going through uh, a, a period, this is like really going through, but not, not forgetting that you have step one, step two, and three all the time in my mind as things are moving along that I want to recover. And when I was doing my amends, I really thought that everybody was on one page with me, but it wasn't so. And I had to understand that I have to be Leia, and just Leia has to concentrate on Leia and nobody else, and not be responsible for the retaliation or the reaction of either myself or others 
but first and foremost of myself. So um, any time that I am faced with a challenge, whatever it is that challenges me, um, I don't have to retaliate today anymore immediately. I don't have to have the answer right away. I pause. I pause because I connect with my higher power. And when I connect with my higher power, I say to myself, oh, my dear God, here we go again. What do I do in this situation? I don't want to hurt me first and foremost, and I don't want to hurt anyone else. And then somehow, intuitively, the answer comes. But it's practicing this, all these steps and becoming really, really connected that, that this will help you go through life. It is a wonderful, wonderful program. I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Okay, we have Nadia followed by Kim G. Nadia, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thank you so much for your service. Uh, my name is Nadia B., grateful, recovered, compulsive reader in Connecticut. And, uh, you know, I look at the sentence, everybody's looking at it, we must take the lead. And, um, you know, there are not that many musts in the book. And this one is a must, I guess. It's something really important for me to learn. And, you know, I was not to, um, I didn't believe in leading in relationships. I thought that, you know, if you wanted love for me, you got to give me love. If, um, you know, um, you wanted tolerance for me, um, you have to tolerate me, you know, the way I am. You have to accept me the way I am. And, um you know, how did that work for me? Not so well. Uh, and, um, you know, I've, I've learned to take the lead because I had to. Uh, and, um, you know, so for me, what it is in, on this, uh, in this paragraph that is um, also so important to see is um, that self-pity is not just going to cut it. For me, this is the time to practice um, being hard on myself and easy on others. Um, I know I can't do it because I tried. I tried for years in program and uh, out, you know. So today I bring my higher power to this. Um, and, you know, I was taught at the beginning and still am being taught by, you know, people that have gone through this work um, before me, asking each morning in meditation, um, asking who, my higher power, to show me the way of patience, tolerance, kindness, and love. Um, and, you know, as um, my good friend in program says, God, bless them, change me. And um, that is an amazing prayer that um, works so well for me today as I am taking the lead. Um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Nadia. Okay, we have Kim G. followed by Leah M. Good morning, Kim. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Yes, there is a long period of reconstruction ahead. You know, sometimes it helps me to think of something 
different in my life that mimics what we're talking about. So, you know, I'm a Jersey girl, and um, 2012 Superstorm Sandy came rolling through and devastated the tri-state area. And I remember, you know, this was around Halloween, and in January, our United States Congress started discussing funding for it, and I was enraged at people from across the country that weren't near where Superstorm Sandy hit saying, oh, come on, that was three months ago. You don't need any money now. That's already over. You know, and isn't that what I do? Oh, come on, people, get over it. I know I treated you like crap four, four years ago, but, you know, no big deal now. And I have to tell you, five years later, there are still people that are not in their homes. Why? Because promises were made and they still haven't been fulfilled. Isn't that what I do? That's why there's a long period of reconstruction. Me saying how I'm going to make it right isn't making it right. Me showing them how I make it right is going to make it right. And I had to recognize, they're talking here, I think, about people who've never been exposed to AA. I think of myself. I've been in OA for 17 years relapsing, telling people this time's going to be different. And then going back to those old behaviors, why would they believe me? They're not going to believe my words. It's my action. And that's why it's a long period of reconstruction. Now, my alcoholic brain who tries to find loopholes will go, oh, well, this means I don't have to do my amends now. See, it's a long period of reconstruction. I can put these amends off for later. And we're told five different times that I see in this chapter, I mean, this step, that we are going to drink again if we don't do these amends. So, no, we don't delay on making the amends. But what it's trying to tell us is going to take people a while, maybe a long while, to believe what we're telling them. You know, I still remember I've been at the same job for 15 years and got recovered five and a half years ago and same boss the entire 15 years. And I had lost my temper with someone four or five months ago. And I said something to my boss. I said, wow. I said, you know, I, I had to go back and apologize. And I, said, I can't believe I did that. And she looked at me. And she goes, wow, Kim, that doesn't happen much anymore. And then anymore was screaming because that's who I was for 10 years. Why would they believe me? I still catch my boss in meetings giving me the eye, waiting for me to stir the pot, waiting for me to get involved in the gossip, waiting for me to try to create drama, because she's only had five years of a recovered woman with consistent behavior. She had 10 years exposed to a woman who was inconsistent, and that's just a minor relationship in my life of a boss. What must it be like for my family? What must like it be like for people I have intimate relationships with? So yes, we make the amends now, but for them to believe us, it's a long period of reconstruction. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kim. Okay, we have Leah and followed by Judy is going to read to us. Um, just to let you know, we're on page 83 next, the second paragraph. Good morning, Leah. Good morning. Thank you so much, uh, Larry, for your service. Yes, there's a long period of reconstruction ahead. And of course, it talks about responsibility here in this paragraph. Um, and this was the pair, you know, this was the step where um, I began taking responsibility. You know, we don't leave the house before step nine, essentially. Here I was, you know, leaving the house and meeting with people and taking responsibility and having a readiness to accept the consequences of my behavior, um, keeping in mind that freedom wasn't going to be free. You know, this was a process of growing up for me, a process of uh, maturation, you know, maturing. I had spent decades 
um, you know, alone, isolated, binging my brains out. I mean, this behavior started at a very, very young age. So now I was taking responsibility for this wreckage. You know, in this previous paragraph, it spoke about, you know, this uh, cyclone coming through, and that's exactly what this process was like, was, you know, when I was taking a look at my inventory process and all the things I had written down and the wreckage I had created and the debris, what is debris? Debris is remains of something broken down or destroyed. I mean, you've seen pictures of tornadoes where the houses are flattened. That's exactly uh, what it was like, you know, what, <laughs> and I was young. I was young. I was in my 20s, but Nonetheless, I had food stains all over my relationships, and there is no statute of limitations on broken hearts. And I had broken many, you know, whether it was in my family, other relationships, and certainly a new marriage that I was in. I had been the creator of chaos. I was in conflict with everybody and everything. And we think as compulsive overeaters that we're not hurting anybody because all we're doing is sitting on a couch, you know, uh, jamming our hands down cellophane bags and bakery boxes, but the the reality was that my depression, my withdrawal, my, you know, my sullenness, uh, you know, that had affected people. My irresponsibility, my lack of accountability, my unreliability, all of that had affected people. So here comes step nine. I leave the house, so to speak, and take responsibility for these actions, this behavior, because my actions are the result of my processes, and my mind, my thinking was my greatest obstacle. But thank God for the steps, you know, because through the steps and through God's work with us through these this process, we can overcome that past wreckage and mend those broken relationships and have a new life. More than my compulsive overeating had to be arrested. My own philosophy, my ideas, my beliefs, my attitudes had to be confronted and overhauled. And that's why this process, uh, particularly, you know, the inventory process, steps four through nine, were, were so transforming, so profound. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Leah. You motivated me to take one minute. Judy, I'm going to take one minute. And here I go. Press start. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I created chaos too. I'm in my mom's house right now, like right now, and I'm I'm helping out a little bit. And you know, I can remember being in this home. And she's upstairs; she can't hear me. But it would be okay if she was down here, and she could. Okay, I came into this this town home here, and before I came into program, I confronted her. Oh boy, I was going to give it to her. You didn't protect me when I was a little boy. You didn't do this, and 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 you know, these were the this was the reality for me. Because I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't see my part in anything at all. Um, I didn't see selfishness in me, what I had done with that resentment for decades of chewing people up and spitting them out. Let's say I got 15 seconds. But, you know, I can be here today and be of service because, <clears throat> because I did go through this process, thank you, God, and made amends because I saw and I had insight on some of the harms that I had done. That's the miracle of me being here today. That was one minute, Judy. Judy, you're up. Thank you. Good morning, Larry. Thank you so much for your service. This is Judy F., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Massachusetts. The spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. Unless one's family expresses a desire to live upon spiritual principles, 
We think we ought not to urge them. We should not talk incessantly to them about spiritual matters. They will change in time. Our behavior will convince them more than our words. We must remember that 10 or 20 years of drunkenness would make a skeptic out of anyone. And I'm just going to set my timer here. Yes. Uh, Good morning, visionary. So good to be here. This is, um, you know, anything italicized, I was told, is very important. We have to live it. And um, how many times did I, I would read, you know, self-help books and it all was great in theory, but I didn't know how to put it into practical action. And that's what I so appreciate about our textbook here, that it gives us practical action steps. And, um, and then just in the previous paragraph, you know, that we live we have to live it. So this is living with patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. And it's a spiritual life. So it's not based on my self-reliance, how I, I used to live, but on what I, I call my higher power, God, a God-reliance. And we're given steps, and especially living it for me today is living in steps 10, 11, and 12, and then bringing it to others um, in step 12, so as I, you know, they say what we teach, we teach it in order to keep learning it. And um, and not that I'm a teacher, but I am a guide, and I'm I'm reinforcing this way of life. And I, I remember when I first um, was recovered, um, and I was so excited about this way of life, and and you know the prayer, all the prayers in the big book, and pages 84 to 88 on how to live. And I remember I said to my dad, I said, oh, I've, I've got to, you know, need you something. It's really good. And and he, I've been saying this for a while, and he said, is it short? <laughs> I just have to remember that I'm the one who needs to change. I'm the one who needs a, a higher power in my life. And I did see, it's amazing, with me living my life in this way, people change. Maybe my, my perception point changed more than anything. Um, but it it does things can change in relationships if I do my part. Um, but I do not incessantly talk to um, my um, husband in particular. I want to like he'll he'll share something and I want to you know quote something from the big book or or quote you know just um, talk about God because um, I I am just so grateful for what God has done in my life. And I know I wouldn't have almost 25 years of abstinence and um, a a job that I love and relationships, healthy relationships with my family unless it was God through these steps. So, um, but I need to just remember that um, unless I'm asked, just to keep that quiet within myself and my fellowship. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Judy. We got Charles time for Rich. one, maybe two chairs. Charles, I got gotcha. you. Who else? Because I know Charles would be quick. Well, maybe not. Charles, you might have the floor for about five, ten minutes here. Well, maybe not that long. Anybody like else? Larry. Sarah, Sarah, is that you? Sarah, I know that voice. All right, Charles, you're taking about a, you know, a minute and a half each or two minutes, something like that. Charles, oh. good morning. 
Thank you, Larry. I, I, what I got to say ain't going to take too long. Charles H. is a recovered compulsive overeater. I ain't with all that. Anything after three minutes is lip service. So Charles H. is a recovered um, compulsive overeater. And I just want to say that, man, I just passed a block. I live in New York. You know, well, I'm, I'm a hood visionary, but a good visionary. And, um, you know, I was able to pass a police station and, and say, you know, I'm mourning for you guys, too. And, and I'm African-American, if you, you, you couldn't tell. Um, you know, I'm mourning. I don't want to see, you know, I don't want to see any lives, um, any innocent blood spill. And I, I feel some type of way when people try to attack my... Don't try to listen, man. I'm, I'm a Jim Brown in my neighborhood. Where I live at is shoot up, shoot 'em up, bang bang, right? And if it wasn't for the principles in this big book, I wouldn't care. Uh, I I come from back in the days, you know, f the police, and and, and this big book has changed me because love and, to- and tolerance is our code. So when people attack my, oh, you know, it's you know, some people saying black life, every life matter, every life matter. So um. So, you know, love and cold is our tolerance. I, I just wanted to say that. And, yeah, I do. I am angry about how, how we're getting killed in the streets, but I'm angry about how innocent police are getting killed in the streets as well. So don't you ever try to attack my character um, because of this big book. And I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Charles. Okay, Sarah, you're going to wrap us up. Good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for your service. Good morning, Vision, for you, Sarah W., Grateful Recovery Compulsive Overeater. So um, we're talking about the spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. Um, one of the things that helps me really um, try to live this different way of life is the 11-step prayer. And, um, you know, although we have this beautiful family prayer in the big book, on page 99 in the 12 and 12, we have a, a beautiful um, St. Francis prayer, which has helped so many people in the program um, really live a different way you know, how can I be of service to you? How can I be a loving, kind, gentle person? And, um, you know, there are, um, there is even um, on YouTube, there are uh, ways to listen to it, which are so beautiful, which I do at times in the morning. But, you know, when it says our behavior will convince them more than our words, um, and that we must remember that 10 or 20 years of drunkenness, you know, um, the food, you know, uh, was was so detrimental to me and to my family, but really my behaviors, you know, a lot of my issues had to do with neglect. Not only neglect of others, but neglect of myself. So for today, what I would pray is that God would help me walk through this day to be the loving, kind, gentle person, a wife to my husband, a parent to my children and a grandparent to my uh, grandchildren, and that I can be the nurse and the human being in life that God would have me be. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, uh, Sarah. And thank you to everyone who shared, um, especially to our readers. We had Leanne, Christine, Julie, Judy, and Monica is going to read to us in a minute here. Thank you to everybody for being here. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And we're going to now close uh, with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Harmonica, are you there? I am, Larry. Good morning, everyone. This is Monica T. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. 
Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.